Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders on this glorious day of our Lord's resurrection. In today's program, we'll explore St. Matthew's account of the Easter story and the proof that Jesus is indeed our victorious Savior. Please stay with us for this exciting message. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Today we celebrate the greatest day in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stay with us. Let's pray. We praise you, Heavenly Father, that you have defeated the power of sin and death and the devil through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the promises that are ours as we place our trust in your risen Son. In his name we pray. Amen. Our reading for today is from Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you'll see him. This is my message for you. So the women left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Here ends our Easter Gospel. Dear friends, Happy V-Day! Now, I'm not talking about Valentine's Day, and I'm not talking about Victory Day as we remember it with World War II. Today, I am talking about Easter. Easter is our V-Day. You see, Easter is not about, as you know, bunnies or bonnets or bonbons, really. Easter is about victory. It's when Jesus rose victoriously over the power of death. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He was dead. I mean, really dead. He was crucified on a cross. It was a horrible, excruciating death that he suffered. He was stabbed with a spear at the end to make certain that he really was dead. He was laid in a rich man's tomb. Still, he was dead. But death could not hold him. He showed up three days later, alive. Matthew lays out the evidence in our Easter reading for today. Someone once pointed out that this sounds more like an apologetic for the synagogue down the street from the Christian church that Matthew attended. First, there's the women. That's evidence. 
It really is. You see, Matthew said in saying that the women were the first witnesses was really quite amazing. In those days, women counted for very little in Roman and Jewish circles and Greek circles as well. They couldn't testify in a court of law. They were more considered to be goods and possessions. They were the discounted people of society. Now, if anyone was going to fabricate the story of the resurrection and try to sell it, would they have made the witnesses women? Of course not. That's how convinced Matthew was of the truth of the resurrection. He didn't change a detail. It's just like God, when you think about it, to have two women as the first witnesses of his son's resurrection. God is very consistent. Jesus was born in an obscure province, in a stable, raised in a town that people made fun of. What good can come out of Nazareth, they'd say. He worked as a carpenter. He went to a cross, the place associated with God's curse, not his approval. And now, this, of course, only God could have dreamed up something so remarkable. Well, then there's the evidence of the empty tomb, isn't there? No questions on either side of this issue about Jesus as to the emptiness of that tomb. Despite the guards, despite the huge stone that covered the tomb, it was open and the tomb was empty and the body was gone. Then the appearance. They ran into Jesus on the way back to town. They saw him. They touched him. They heard his voice. And don't forget the transformed lives as evidence. Their perspectives were totally changed. They moved from mourning and fear to joy and confidence. And then there's the fulfilled predictions. Three times, you know, Jesus predicted his death and his resurrection. And like the angel reminded the women at the tomb, he said, uh, he's raised just as he said. And then there's the commissioning, of course. They were told to go and tell the disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee. And then by the end of Matthew, as he meets him in Galilee, the disciples were commissioned by Jesus to go and tell the world and make disciples of all nations. Now, they did not come up with this on their own. This was began a worldwide movement that they actually laid down their lives for. Would you lay down your life for an untruth? And the good news of Jesus spread, and here we are today, 2,000 years later. How could it be if this weren't true? As far as I'm concerned, and I hope the case is with you too, that this case is closed. Christ is risen. He defeated death. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That old cheerleaders cheer from from the old athletic days that I used to hear, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, victory, victory, that's our cry, is ours to use today. But V-Day could also just as well stand for Vindication Day. For Jesus on Easter was vindicated. His opponents, his disciples, the world around that didn't understand him got a strong, resounding message from God that Easter morning when that stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty and the risen Lord stepped back into the world. He said to us in that 
Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's my son. He's the one you want to be trusting. Now, let's get personal. Jesus is the Savior that you and I really need. We know, looking back at Scripture, that we have a severe problem with this thing called sin. And it has terrible consequences that go with it. Our rebellion against God, our sinfulness, leads to a physical and a spiritual death as we read the wages of sin is death. Or we were dead in our sins, as Paul writes in Ephesians. It all began in a garden, the disobedience of of a couple that wanted to run their own lives, be their own gods. And it spread throughout the world into everybody. We all needed a Savior because of sin and the consequences. And Jesus entered our world and he lived a life, a perfect life of obedience to his heavenly Father, the life you and I couldn't live, which made him the perfect sacrifice for humanity's sinfulness. And ultimately, he went to the cross and he suffered the punishment that you and I were to receive so that everything could be made right. As he breathed his last, he cried out, it is finished, which means literally paid in full. The payment for sin was made at that cross. And how do we know that it worked? The resurrection. The resurrection is God's yes, his vindication of his son and what his son has done. And so because Christ lives, that's very good news for us. Forgiveness is ours. A restored relationship with our Heavenly Father is ours as we place our trust in Christ. And eternal life is ours as well. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. We share in that victory with Jesus. Death is no longer a wall for us, but a door. It's not a period, but a comma. In my congregation, we talk about it as graduation time. We go to be with Jesus. You know, I've had some tough funerals since last Easter. Thank God for this news. I mean, I have sat in nursing homes and at hospital bedsides a lot. As dying people testified to me, ministered to me by saying things like, I'm really not afraid. I'm going home now to be with Jesus, just as he promised. Just as he promised. But there's more in God's Easter message to us than Jesus is Savior. His resurrection also means Jesus is Lord that he lives and rules eternally, now and forever. He's the Lord of lords. All authority in this world has been given to him. The earliest Christian creed was Jesus is Lord. Now, what does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? Well, in that early Christian church, it was a way of saying Jesus is God. I mean, in 1 Corinthians 16.22, we get a, a taste of this. as Paul shares a little prayer that was common in the earliest Christian church. And this is just years after the resurrection of Jesus. The words were Maranatha, 
Lord, come again. It wasn't written in Greek, by the way. It was Aramaic, which means it's really an early prayer. The earliest church had figured out Jesus had to have been God. Jewish folks only prayed to God before this. And now they're praying to Jesus. And in Philippians 2, Paul also quotes an early Christian hymn written before he came along that tells us that Jesus is Lord, God, in charge of the world and how he stepped down and emptied himself and humbled himself at the cross. And then God exalted him at the resurrection and gave him the name that is above every name. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess this truth that Jesus is Lord. This conclusion uh, that the earliest Christians made about Jesus being Lord God didn't just come out of the blue, by the way. They just remembered things that he had said about himself, and now they made sense. When he talked about himself as, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life. Before Moses was, I am. He said, I am meant God in the Old Testament. And his claiming authority to forgive sins when people said, where does he get the right to do that? And when he said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Easter simply verifies these statements. And so they came to the conclusion, Jesus is Lord. And he is. If Jesus is raised then, and, and God has exalted him as Savior and Lord of the world, and then that brings us to this point. I want to ask you a personal question. What have you done with Jesus in your life? Uh, you do have a choice, you know. Some choose to ignore him. Some reject him. Some underrate him simply as a good teacher. Others keep him on the sidelines of their lives. Some say, I believe, but in kind of a general way, like I believe in mom, apple pie, and Chevrolet. But there's no relationship. People can say all the right things and not really be connected to him. What about you? Here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to trust him as your Savior, for your salvation, for your eternal life, to put your faith in his saving work. For a person is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That means place your trust in Jesus and bet your life on what he's done for you. Lean on him heavily for your salvation. Put your whole weight upon him. And trust him with every area of your daily life, by the way, not just your salvation. Don't leave him on a shelf only to be taken off the shelf for emergencies. He, he's here to be with you. He says, lo, I'm with you always. You can talk to him in prayer. You can seek his guidance in, in the scriptures as you open your Bible and read those gospels. As he teaches you about kingdom life. Live a life of gratitude, by the way, also for the great rescue that he's done in your life. Someone once remarked, after I met Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, the rest of my days has been a P.S. Thank you, Lord. And not only with words and songs, but with our actions. 
become a living sacrifice of thankfulness for Jesus. A friend of mine, for instance, recently laid his father to rest, who was a great saint. This man had such enthusiasm for telling other people about Jesus and what he's done. And it was all motivated by gratitude. Jesus had saved his life in a remarkable way years earlier. And now he was overflowing with gratitude for what Jesus had done for him. And, and he couldn't seem to help himself. He wanted everyone to know and trust Jesus. It wasn't out of obligation that he was like this. It was pure gratitude. It was an innocent gratitude that motivated him. What he's done for me, he can do for you, he'd say. Then there's a friend of mine here in the church, retired recently from the corporate world. I probably shouldn't even call it a retirement, though, because now he's working full-time. I think he works more hours since he quit work, but this time it's for Jesus. He runs with our young people that are on our church mission trips. He attends their get-togethers on Wednesday evenings. He tirelessly works in an inner-city ministry, reaching lost people during the week. And one evening a week, he's at the state prison running a Bible study. And on Friday mornings, at real early, he hosts a Bible study in his house for men. Now, he could be sitting back and spending all this time entertaining himself, taking it easy, but he is so filled with gratitude, he'll tell you that, for what Christ has done for him, that this is what he and his wife insist on doing as long as their health will allow them. Wow. That's a living sacrifice of thankfulness, too. And, of course, serve him. He wants you to serve him as, as your Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then we are his servants, and we owe him unhesitating dedication and uncompromising obedience. It means we commit ourselves to doing life His way and to do His will with our lives. One of the greatest Christian leaders of the last century was John Stott. He was the rector of All Souls Langham Place in London. Wonderful preacher, Bible teacher, author, global leader to many. This article says, I knew him over many decades John Stott, but I will never forget my last visit to his bedside three weeks before he died. After an unforgettable hour and more of sharing memories over the years, I asked him how he would like me to pray for him. Lying weakly on his back and barely able to speak, he answered in a hoarse whisper, Pray that I will be faithful to Jesus until my last breath. Would that such a prayer be the passion of our generation, too? Oz Guinness writes. And if Jesus is Lord, then worship him. Bend the knee to him. Bow down and worship him as God. Give him his worth. Not just on the weekends. Every day, be a living sacrifice of worship to him. Offer your life as a sacrifice that way. And focus on him in worship. Worship is all about him. It's not about you. It's about him. Give him your all when you're at worship in your church. So happy V-Day. God has spoken. You have a Savior and a Lord. His name is Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with him? God is calling you today, this V-Day, to trust him. 
thank Him, praise Him, serve Him, and obey Him the rest of your days. Amen. Let's pray. As we leave this time of worship today, Father, help us to live as Easter people, trusting and obeying our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Fill us with your Holy Spirit's power so that we might be faithful followers who thank, praise, serve, and obey Christ. In the name of the risen Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to trust Jesus this V-Day. Thank Him, praise Him, serve Him, and obey Him the rest of your days. Christian Crusaders currently broadcast on 28 radio stations across the United States, on the World Wide Web, and on shortwave radio across North America and Europe. Please consider, if you're in a position to do so, sending a gift to help cover production and broadcast costs of these stations. In this way, you become a partner in providing a Sunday worship service to those who need to hear the gospel message. We thank each of you for your gifts and your prayers. Today's service is also available to be read or heard anytime on the Internet. Our website address is christiancrusaders.org. CDs and printed copies of today's program are available free of charge. However, a gift to help defer production and mailing cost is always appreciated. Address your request to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We are pleased you chose to worship with us today, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and Speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 81st year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.